0: The supernatural is something that isn't supposed
1: to happen, but it does it. Time, time, WBSN presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa.
2: All right, good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg hey, here. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg hey, here. Hey, what do you think about that? No announcer guy. We couldn't get a crazy announcer guy to come on here. <laughs> I like how I call him crazy. But that, uh, we could not get him to come that's still coming through this is Something's this is awesome computer over here surprise surprise well it was a good idea in practice. The idea there was that uh, because things have changed here in the spooky studio, we were going to try to do things a little bit differently, and we were going to actually use the internet for our opening theme because <laughs> I don't know how to <laughs> plug in the iPod anymore. <laughs> oh, a lot has changed in the week that we've been off here in the spooky studio. Uh, Let's see, the cranes are gone for, for some of these microphones, so we can now see each other. We don't have to look around cranes, and, uh, we actually have a new board here that we're slowly trying to figure out how to work. That, you know, that would have been a good idea to try to send an email out or something, you know, maybe at yeah. least, uh, at least a, a training seminar. You're gonna have to get a lot closer to your mic, by the way, now, Moniz.
1: I think I can handle
2: it. Okay. And, uh, so we come in, we have this new board, we have a new design for the studio, a lot of the old equipment has been taken out and replaced with new stuff, and we're looking around figuring out, oh, how do we do this now? Because not only do we have the program here on WBSM, but we broadcast live on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com as well. So it's a matter of being able to set up the cameras, being able to pull the audio from the different sources that we do, but, uh, I think we got it going. Uh, We'll ask the chat room there how the audio sounds because uh, they're getting it direct from the board. So it should be a lot better than it's been uh, in recent weeks, months, years. And uh, here, you know, with our headphones, it sounds a lot better too. And what's exciting about this now is hopefully it means things won't fire off on their own. Hopefully uh, we won't have, you know, pots that won't work. And we have to shake them. I mean, whenever we wanted to run the iPod anyway, we had to shake the pot to make it work. So hopefully now everything's going to work out just great uh now and going forward. <sighs> so we had a lot to talk about tonight. I-, I just like to hear the sound of my voice now coming out of this new board. But we do have a guest here with us in the studio. Uh Did I mention you Moniz, by the way, at the beginning of the show? You may have. If I didn't, I apologize. Riding alongside with me, as always, in the shotgun seat for this program is science advisor Matt Moniz. The silent assassin Matt Costa is working, and I bet you he's sorry he's missing this.
1: I, I'm sure he is.
2: It's uh, it's He's he's going to be really excited when he comes in here and sees this for the first time because he's going to be like, wow, it looks like the stuff I learned about when I went to school. <laughs> I think he learned about the old board, too. It was just in the history of broadcasting course.
1: Well, this one looks like it was made at least within the past decade.
2: Yeah. I would say that, and now I probably shouldn't drink this neither. But I need it. So we do have joining us in the studio a guest here. He's an old friend of mine, actually. We, it's probably been about 20 years as, since we've seen each other. But hold on. Once I think I got you on the wrong. Try again.
0: Okay. How about now? Does that sound better?
2: All right. I figured out which numbers the mics are in now, which <laughs> for some reason that doesn't make sense. That's number four instead of number three. Okay. They So they don't really go in chronological order, but that's, that's okay. all right. Hey. But uh, we have Doug Engler joining us from LiveParanormal.com. How's it going, Doug?
0: Going fantastic. Excited to be here.
2: Now, when uh, we were, you know, just eighth graders hanging out, you know, we never really talked about sharing an interest in the paranormal. In fact, back then it was probably a little bit more taboo to talk about it than it is now. Oh, definitely. Now, uh, you just have to... Okay. We have a... Uh, e- even though the... Uh, the board is new. The sensitivity on the mics is still just as bad. All righty. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember talking about, you know, we talked about NASCAR, sports, yep. you know, all kinds of other things.
0: But the, the subject of ghosts never came up. No, but I've, I've been interested in the paranormal for years. But back then, you know, when you're in eighth grade. A lot of people don't take you seriously when you think about it or when you're talking about it or stuff like that. The most that you ever saw of any ghost things was Unsolved Mysteries back then. Yeah. You, you, I do
2: remember we did used to talk about that. Yeah. And I remember uh, my friend Vic, too, was a big Unsolved Mysteries fan. And and uh, he, him and I spent a lot of time back then talking about time travel and things like that. But, yeah, we didn't talk about go- – and meanwhile, while all this was going on, I was having the experiences that I had growing up at my aunt's house. And I I wish I had known because oh, know. we could have talked about that stuff. I would have had somebody. Oh, nice move, Monies. Who's the guy that forgot to turn off his cell phone? Well, the guy's got like 18 of them, so. Yeah. <laughs> There's an emergency at the nuclear reactor. They need Moniz to invent a new procedure to stop it. All right. Do you need to go? You can go out and take a call if you have to.
1: No, it's, it's all set.
2: Okay, so whoever that is that's listening, that decided to call Moniz, he just said you're not as important as Spooky South Coast. Oh, what? What was that? That was Doug.
0: I didn't even realize I had the ringer on.
2: Oh, there he goes. Nope, it's not me. <laughs> all right, good. It's probably the battery. And I don't. And I have the
0: and I actually don't have the ringer on on my phone. So. AM oh.
1: fourteen twenty. <laughs> online. So this truly really is a spooky South Coast show.
2: Oh, so our new equipment doesn't matter. All right. This well, it
1: is, is a new phone too. So,
2: fantastic, fantastic radio here. All right. Getting back into the topic of the paranormal, while I try to figure out what it was that made that happen. Uh, you know, it's a different world than it was back then, and I, I actually am happier that kids that are growing up and have these experiences can talk about them now when they might not have been able to previously.
0: Uh, but it would have helped,
2: you know, oh, yeah. our generation to be able to share.
0: Definitely. I mean, I've I've been having experiences even long before I moved out to this area when I lived back in the Attabarrow area. And my first experience, I was at a friend of mine's house. Um, He lived on one of those dead-end streets in the near this uh, center of the city of Edinburgh, And I walked into his kitchen to grab something to drink, and his mother had a pack of cigarettes on the counter. It was like a brand-new pack with, like, one missing or something like that. And I saw the pack open, a cigarette come out, get lit, and smoked in front of me. I was the only one in the room. Wow. <laughs> and I ran out of there and told him about it, and he didn't believe me. And his mother didn't believe me because she was upstairs at the time. And she went and checked, and sure enough, there was a pack. There was a cigarette missing out of the pack, and they were blaming me for smoking it, but I didn't <laughs> smoke at the time. I was probably eight, nine, ten years old, mm-hmm. so they chalked it up to like overactive imagination. Maybe she smoked it and didn't realize it, something like that. Um, so they just kind of laughed it off. And then uh, about two weeks later, I went. I was there again because it was a good friend of mine, and I, he and I were both headed into the kitchen. And we saw a knife go flying by the doorway. And as we looked in, it was hanging out of the wall. Whoa. Um, They believed me after that, and they moved about a month later.
2: (laughs) I can't imagine what that must have been like for you to to be that age and to see all this stuff happening. Uh, Literally, like, the cigarette was being smoked in front. Could you see, like, the smoke being drawn in? You
0: you could see the tip of it light up like it was being smoked, and you could see the smoke just – you could see it change direction. Mm -hmm. And it was the – freakiest thing because at the time you're trying to make sense of it at 8, nine, ten years old you're trying to f- realize well, what's going on you have no idea and then when people are questioning it saying oh it's just overactive imagination you know you're seeing things a lot of kids growing up have imaginary friends or well, could it be something like that that he's thinking of because I know well, growing up I had imaginary friends I don't know if you did or not oh sure but, yeah.
2: actually now that's the only kind of friends I still have yeah and, th- you know, they're pretty good because they never argue with me. I'm always right with them. But.
0: And you have an escape scapegoat, you know. Yeah. yeah. And
2: who did it? <laughs> not me. But uh, some people, too, feel that the imaginary friends that children have are just the ability to perceive spirits before we've had that wall built up around us by everybody telling us that they're not real.
0: And that's just it. Children are, especially at a young age, are so susceptible to outside influence. Um,. I've learned through many different experiences and teachings that the human brain is a computer. And as you go, you can program it certain ways. That's why we go to school. We go to school to get programmed to learn math, to learn science, to learn how to talk, things of that nature. And eventually... You hear for long enough that ghosts aren't real, they don't exist, it's just Hollywood movies, mm-hmm. that stuff doesn't really happen, there's no such thing as the boogeyman, there's nothing under your bed, and that part of your brain shuts down and says, you know what, that it's not real, it was just an imaginary friend, so there's was, there was no need to put, take any stock in it, and a lot of people grow up believing ghosts aren't real. You know, I, I have friends who don't believe in it, and I have friends who have hit, had so many experiences they want to pull their hair out. And, and what, what's interesting is you
2: see that moment when somebody who is a disbeliever becomes a believer. Uh, we see it all the time with our Legend Trips events where there's, uh, you know, always one, at least one in every group that swears that they're not, nothing's going to change their mind, and then they have that argument. The ardent skeptic
1: wor- winds up walking out being the firmest believer generally at, by the end of the evening.
0: Oh, I love skeptics. I love skeptics. <laughs> that, that could
2: be a whole other show because Moniz has a has a theory on skeptics.
1: Well, true skeptics allow possibilities. People that call themselves skeptics that you know bash on the stuff are actually cynics. Mm-hmm. Okay, which there is a big difference.
2: Mm-hmm. So, uh, how do you take that childhood interest and experience and go from that to uh, working with live paranormal?
0: Um, well, it was, what's funny is that after that happened, I packed it away, you know, it was, a, it was an experience that I had, you, you get told it's not real, it doesn't exist, like I said before, and I just kind of blew it all off, and then uh, probably a couple months later, I was walking, still in Attabro, to a friend of mine's house, and a beam of light came down from this clouds behind me, and followed me as I was walking. Which I thought was weird. I sped up; it sped up. I stopped, and the light continued and passed right over me. And as the light passed over me, it felt like somebody wa- literally walked through my body. Wow! That night, I found out my grandfather died. Wow! So I believe that that was his way of saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people when they have a loved one pass, different things occur. Um, flash forward to well, let's say ninety-seven, ninety-eight. A cousin of mine was killed in Mansfield in a car accident. She was 17. And, or no, she was 16, one month before her 17th birthday to the day. And that night, I spent the night down in Mansfield at her house, and I saw her walk into the room, look at me and her sister, wave, and walk out of the room. And ever since then, I have nose-dived into the paranormal like you wouldn't believe in, it's amazing the stuff that I've ended up experiencing since that. And that really was – she kind of opened a doorway for me that I kicked open.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: She just opened it up a crack, and you said, i got to see what's on the other side of this. Oh, yeah. Now, with Live Paranormal, uh, for those who are unfamiliar, why don't you kind of describe a little bit about what it does? Because it's more than just internet radio shows.
0: Yeah, Live Paranormal is actually a website that you can go to. Um, it's host – the uh, owner is a guy named Rob uh, Sherzak. I'm sure I'm sure I butchered his last name, but – um, He's a great guy. He does a lot for Live Paranormal. Um, this weekend, actually, they're celebrating Show 3000. Um, yeah. All weekend long, they've had celebrity guests from Ghost Hunters to Ghost Hunters International. Um, I can be heard on there occasionally on, fr- on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock on Cauldron and Knowledge. I'm on with Lexi Doyle, who hosts that. Uh, Friday nights... Uh, starting back up in October, my friend Susie Lewis hosts Helen Back Radio. Susie, back is, Radio. A back Radio. Susie is a demonologist. Susie is a demonologist. Weird. And, uh, and. on Sunday nights, um, my friend Clarissa Vasquez, who's been on Spooky South Coast a few times, hosts Periscope Radio. And that can be heard at 11 o'clock. But there are many other hosts. We have two to three shows a night, every night. All seven nights during the week, um, I've we interview people. I've inter. I personally have interviewed Barry Fitzgerald from Ghost Hunters oh, International. He's such a great guy. He's awesome. Uh, Bill Murphy from Fractor Fake. I can't believe how smart that guy is. I felt dumb talking to him. <laughs> not that that not that it takes much. To make me feel like, right? but.
2: <laughs> well, you learn quickly in this in this business uh, when you're in the host seat. You know, you learn when sometimes you need to kind of just shut up and let the guest talk.
0: Uh, I do that a lot. Yeah. Um. A couple weeks ago, I uh, had the honor of interviewing Denise Gossett, actress. Uh, mm-hmm. She's done Nickelodeon shows. She just had a movie come out with Mel Gibson uh, called Get the Gringo.
1: Um, From Wareham to Westport, we've got you covered. AM 1420, WBSM.
2: The best part about that is I can't figure out why it keeps doing that. Like The no. program doesn't show where it's doing it, so I can't turn it off. Nice. Sorry.
0: That's all right. Computer voice guy might keep interrupting you from time to time. Hey, that's okay. I'm used to it. Hell and Back Radio, we're known for the uh, malfunctions, technical difficulties. We've had everything on Hell and Back Radio from power outages to the phone call disconnected to the host couldn't even log into the screen that she needed to get into to even start the show. So we have a lot of fun with that. Um,
2: Well... One of the things that I find the most interesting about the Live Paranormal and other sites like that is the fact that now you don't, you know, in in the old days when, when we were younger and we were trying to learn about this, you had to wait every night for Coast to Coast. You had to tape it if you were sleeping. You know, we didn't have podcasting, we didn't have internet streaming. And now people can get their hands on this stuff pretty much any time. Yeah. And so now you're finding, like we find out with this show that we have people listening all over the world and you start scratching your head and being like, what is it about the show that makes people want to listen to it worldwide but it's not it's the content it's what you're talking about because the paranormal is global right
0: now It is especially with the uh, Ghost Hunters International uh, all the places that they go is phenomenal I'm a big fan of the sh- of the Ghost Hunters Ghost Hunters all their shows I watched I even watched GHA when it was out I watched oh, really? b- I, I watched never. both seasons
2: I didn't watch any of
0: that So I, I, We actually
2: uh, at least myself personally I kind of stopped watching a lot of the ghost shows uh, which, you know, sometimes that hurts us when we have to discuss some of the things that happened on them, but at the same time, like, you find that you get too caught up in that mentality. I mean, how do you keep yourself separated, though, from uh, getting involved in some of the, the drama that we hear about in the paranormal community?
0: Uh, what I what I like to do is I watch the shows, but I watch them objectively. Mm-hmm. I, like, I try to watch to get ideas on when I investigate, what are people on TV doing, is it effective... What could be CGI? What could be edited in? Because, let's be honest, everybody's skeptical about all those shows.
2: Oh, that was me. <laughs> I'm just as guilty as everybody else.
0: <laughs> I thought somebody's firing lasers at me for talking about this. But <laughs> no, no that's our UFO shows.
2: Ah. Which we will be talking about UFOs later on in the program.
0: Nice Ooh, segue. I like UFOs, too.
2: Yeah, we're going to be talking to somebody from Plymouth. Uh, Felicia Femino is her name. She actually saw some UFOs last week in the skies over Plumas, so she's going to join us later on. To oh, talk fantastic. About and then at the bottom of the show, we're going to be talking, cause when you get to the bottom of the show, and it's the bottom, who else do you want to bring on but Chris Balzano? <laughs> it's scraping the bottom of the bet. Ba- no, I'm just oh. kidding. Just kidding. Our content director, Chris Balzano, will join us later on. We're going to talk about all these weird stories in the news with zombies and such. But, uh, you know, getting, getting back to what you're talking about, Doug, with, you know, the the need to keep a skeptical eye toward these programs. You
0: mentioned that you actually go out and investigate. Yes, I was have been uh, lucky enough to have been in a lockdown at Rolling Hills Asylum in East, Beth- in East Bethany, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there probably, if I want to say it was about two or three months after the TAPS group was there. TAPS didn't uh, get much when they were there. And the group that I was with... Um, We probably had about 30 people, so it was a good-sized group, which you always worry about contamination with a group like that. Um, But we split up into groups, and I actually, when I went off, I had two other people with me, and every place we went to, we couldn't hear any other investigators, and we had activity every single time. Wow. From I was touched twice to... There was probably a group of about 10 or 15 of us in a a room in the hospital wing of the building. And we would whistle, and in one corner we'd hear a whistle in response, but there was nobody over there. So I'd said recorder over there. Then we'd whistle again, and it would come from the other corner. So I had my video camera, so I set that up in the other corner. And on the voice recorder, you can hear the whistles clear as day. Now, some of the people with this group, it was – the Central New York Ghost Hunters. Uh, Stacy Jones is yep. the founder of that. Uh, some of her most trusted people walked around it because we had a lot of new pe- new faces, and we wanted to make sure it wasn't somebody playing, you know, being goofy, playing, oh, I'll whistle back. And so they were being watched without realizing that they were being watched to make sure it wasn't one of them, and it continued wow. from different ends of the room that nobody was at, and it was phenomenal. Uh, This was back when they still had the Christmas tree room. I heard uh, after interviewing Sharon Coyle, who's the new owner of Rolling Hills, that the Christmas tree room has changed. They've been doing some renovations. And um, while in the Christmas tree room they had trigger objects set up, some cars on the floor, a stuffed animal on a chair, things like that. Well, I saw the stuffed animal actually move from the chair to under one of the Christmas trees. And the kid that was with me saw it move from under the Christmas tree to beside the doorway. Nice. And of course, my video camera is being recharged at the time. <laughs> that's what happens. That always happens. You get the best stuff when you're not prepared.
2: And, and that's why you know we we were talking with uh, with with Pete Stagman on our last show of Para Hunter, and he was telling us how he just when he goes into a location now, he just recorders on the minute he goes in, even while they're setting up, because they find that that's when they get a lot of stuff. And, and we've had that happen. You know, we've had. Oh yeah. Things go on when nothing's ready to, re- you know, and we'll go into like Lizzie Borden's, we'll bring all of our portable studio and we'll get ready to record a show. And of course, naturally, you'll be hearing stuff right and left happening all over the house when you're in the process of setting up. And then once you get all the mics on and live, the place goes silent. But what can you do?
0: Well, that's, they always say, the ghosts don't go on cue, you know, they go mm-hmm. when they want to go. And, you know, a lot of people just don't. They always say, "Um, I've heard a lot of people say, "You know, how come you can't just tell somebody to do something and they do it like that well, I'll tell you what you you walk into any store and tell a customer to do something and see if they do it
2: yeah or or depending on you know the personality of the spirit that you're you're dealing with, I mean they could be just wanting to mess with you too I yeah mean, it, it could be intentional that they're gonna do it when you least expect it uh the The issue that we always find." too when when you're conducting an investigation is not so much that you can't get it to perform on command for you but the fact that sometimes you can't get it to happen at all at least yeah. in, in, and Moniz and i you know we're, we're probably each about as psychic as a brick but you, we were talking earlier this week when i when i was doing uh, periscope yep. and you had mentioned that you have actually become kind of attuned to these and, and you think that you have some abilities
0: yes i i am very energy sensitive um I have called myself a psychic. I do it more for my entertainment. I don't expect to be right when I go off of what I feel, but um, I usually can sense thunderstorms before there's a cloud in the sky. I can walk into a room and tell if it's tense or not without anybody saying a word. Um, I have tested myself at many different locations. At Rolling Hills, I did not do any psychic ability or anything Mm -hmm. like that, especially with such a big group and a lot of people that, are just not, you know, I don't want that as part of my group right now, so I try to keep it hidden from most people, but I do enjoy um, like I said, when my cousin died, she opened the doorway for me and I, to this day, I can still be in contact with her.
2: And and so many of the psychics that we have on this program mention the fact that we can all have these abilities if we can just tune in and and use them effectively. Uh, I know that you know, we, we, as I mentioned to you on, on Periscope, we did have one night where I tried to be a psychic just for a few minutes to see if, uh, if anything could happen. And I actually, I actually remote viewed the room of a caller and then I quit because I was like, you know what? One for one. Let's just stick with that. <laughs> Sometimes you know,
0: that's the best way. <laughs> yeah.
2: Let's, let's just stay with that. It, it worked once. Let's not
0: push the envelope. Most recent, uh, thing that happened with me was I was talking to, uh, the gentleman's name's Brian Brigham of Despair Paranormal down in Florida. Um, I got his name through a coworker of mine. It's one of his good friends. So we actually had him and his group on Periscope a few weeks ago. And um, I was talking to him on Facebook, and he was telling me how he lived in a haunted house. And he started giving me a little information, and all of a sudden I just got tuned into his house. I could see his house in my head. And I asked him. I said, "Now the wo- the woman that haunts the location. I said, she's behind you right now. She is kind of she. She seems pleased that you're taking care of her house. Um, she likes you, but she's very stern about it." And he goes, "Oh my God, she haunts the room behind me." He goes, "That's where she mainly hangs out. Is that part of the house? Like the room directly behind me and around there." And I said, also, you have a male spirit th- there that he's in the doorway. I want to say it's a doorway to your left. Now, mind you, he's in Florida. I'm in Syracuse. And I've never been, never met this person in my life. I have really no clue what he looks like aside from a picture on Skype and Facebook. And never seen his house. And he goes, oh, my God, The door, the only door to the room is on the left. I said, there's a man standing there. His arms are crossed. He goes, well, can you tell me who he is? I said, the only information I'm getting from him is you know who he is. You just don't want to believe it. And that weekend they were having an – the team was investigating his house. He came on the radio show a week later and said, with the information that you gave me, it was one of the best investigations we've ever had. Wow. He goes, the, the mail that you f- felt – he goes. Nobody's ever told me that they felt a male presence at my house. He goes. The male that presence that you felt was my grandfather. Hmm. He, he has a psychic as part of his team who he was asking questions about if he felt them, and that's when he, he the uh, psychic on his team mentioned that the male spirit was a family member, and he'll know who it is because he has something of that person's, and it turned out to be his grandfather. And there was a long history uh, that goes back. I don't want to get delve into it because it's his personal information, sure. obviously. But he didn't want to believe that it was his grandfather until he found what his grandfather was t- talking about. I guess he had a certain item that was given to him by his grandfather, which he didn't realize he still had, and that's why his grandfather was still around. Ah. So I was able to tune into that. Um, now, I can't – it's the first time that I've – been able to channel that via facebook but i can usually get energy through tvs i can get the energy like ghost hunters ghost adventures. you could just be
2: watching something and something could kind of pop into your
0: it's amazing that uh, i'll watch a ghost hunters episode or something like that brand new ghost hunters my wife will be sitting with me and i'll be like they're gonna have a loud bang because there's something in the corner all of a sudden you just hear bang and of course the most common phrase heard on those shows is, oh my god did you hear that Mm -hmm. that could be a drinking game
2: Oh, I, I think uh, I think it's probably emerged as one. You know, it's it's kind of like uh on this show. You know, every time we mention a computer issue or every time the computer fires off, you know, you take a shot. You'll be drunk by the first hour. The, end of the first hour. Woohoo! <laughs> we should do that.
1: Well, if you have any questions, that's the backyard barbecue show. If
2: and you know Moniz, I, I meant to mention to you. Uh, I saw on on the uh, the screen. I saw you kind of doing the creepy face there for a second. I just I need you to do me a favor. Can you explain? To everybody watching on the video later on what that means, because they don't see the chat.
1: Uh, so
2: was that <laughs> or do you want to just leave it at creepy face?
1: Leave it at creepy face. Okay.
2: That's the one thing that you don't remember is when you when you are playing to the camera a little bit, you don't realize that later on it's not going to make much sense. Yep. Uh, so but hey, that's why you know you keep seeing me look over here trying to get myself more into the shot a little bit too. <laughs> but we gotta just we gotta pretend like they're not there. You know, just, uh, yeah, just
0: notice myself occasionally I look at the camera, but it's, uh, usually I have a camera at home when I do the Live Paranormal shows. It's my own personal computer. I'm on Skype. I get Skyped into the shows. Some Sometimes they allow webcams, some shows don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a little webcam set up and usually the cameras are in the chat room of Live Paranormal. And the great thing about Live Paranormal is it isn't just ghost shows. It's UFOs, it's Bigfoot, it's all different realms of the paranormal world. It's everything from Reiki people to psychics to artists to, and we interview a wide variety of people, which has been phenomenal. And and the good part about that format, too, is
2: being internet radio, you're not bound by the same restrictions as we are here. Yep. So, as we mentioned, you know, on Periscope, we kind of got to make sure we keep the the language filters on here. Yeah, and, I but, have to
0: be on my best behavior. I know.
2: But but <laughs> but with the internet format, I mean, you can, you know, when something really surprises you, you can say an honest to goodness, unadulterated, holy, because yeah. that's the way that you feel. Oh yeah. And sometimes here we have to hold it back a little bit. Well, if you have any questions for Doug, if you want to talk about live paranormal or just some of his work in the field, you can give us a call five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. You can email us spooky crew at spookysoutcoast dot com or you can post the questions in the chat room on spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. dot com. As we did mention uh, later on in the program coming up in the second hour we will talk with uh, Felicia Femino who had a UFO sighting in Plymouth over the last week that made the news. And then speaking of stories that made the news, uh, later on in the program we're going to have a Balzano breakdown from our show's content director Christopher Balzano, and we're going to talk about some of these strange stories that have been in the news lately. Man, I can't believe the stuff that's been coming across the news wire. We we do a segment here that we call the Week in Weird, and this might be the weirdest week in the history of the show. And
0: I probably could add to to it based off of what we, uh, Cauldron of Knowledge on Thursday. Lexi and I were talking about some of the stuff that's gonna you're going to cover in the at at last hour, and um, I learned a couple of new. Events that had happened as well. so Awesome. Yeah. So
2: we'll be looking forward to that. Later on in the show, we'll get your thoughts as well. But feel free to call in with anything paranormal. Again, the numbers are 508 996 0500, 996 1420. Let's see. We have a copy to give away of the book uh, Cincinnatus, the book that we discussed uh, on a previous episode with our guest. Rusty McClure, when we talked about Coral Castle. This is Cincinnati's A Secret Plot to Save America. And this is a signed copy, signed by Rusty. I read the book. It's a great book. I didn't read this one. But uh, Rusty had sent us a case of books, signed books, to give away, and I had forgotten about them. So uh, we're going to start giving them away. Uh, every few weeks we'll have one to bring in. So we'll do that a little bit later on in the show. And uh, while we have a minute, I do want to pimp a little something here. Uh, on the SpookySouthCoast.com website, you'll see a link to my son's 24-hour baseball fundraiser. Now, it's Wareham Little League is trying to raise money to help with the league and to make some improvements around the field complex. And what it is is they're having a 24-hour baseball game next weekend. And the way it works is they start at 10 a.m. on Saturday, and they go all the way through overnight until 10 a.m. on Sunday. And they're going to have camping overnight at the field, all kinds of stuff going on. But they're raising money uh, to benefit the league by this online fundraiser. And so many of our listeners have already donated and thank you so much. We appreciate it. But, uh, we do have, if you donate $50 or more, my wife is going to make you a batch of those cookie brownies that we talk about at all our relationships oh. events. Oh. Well, that's worth it for a $50 donation. That Hell yeah. Also helps wear him a little league. And if he's one of the top five fundraisers, he actually wins an iPad too, which I'm going to, borrow every saturday night to come in here and help with the show so it's like you're making a donation toward helping spooky south coast because right now i can't see the chat room when i'm sitting in the seat moniz is directing the show with the laptop and he's got access to the chat i'm over here looking at the studio computer which does not connect to the to the zat chat that we use so being able to bring in that ipad too would help out immensely so donate a little something help out help out the league and plus of course my competitive nature we want to win We want to be in the top five. We want to be number one. Then he gets to go to a Red Sox game too. And we've never actually gone to, he's been to like two or three Red Sox games and he's never been able to go with me because usually my wife goes with him and I drop them off and then I go hang out somewhere and then I pick them up again after the game. So if he's the number one fundraiser, he gets a four-pack of tickets and we get transportation to and from the game. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and a $50 food voucher. So, yes, donate money so that I get to go to the Red Sox. <laughs> fifty dollars—that'll get you two slices of pizza and a bottle of water.
1: Wow! Yeah, Live a, in
0: top shelf. <laughs> absolutely. If they still sell, sell pizza there after the Pizza Day massacre, you know, yeah, a couple sure of years is. ago.
2: But uh, we'll we'll see we'll see uh, if we can get them at least in the top five. Uh, so again, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com dot com or go to my Facebook page. I post the link up every day uh, to make a donation. Any amount is appreciated, but fifty dollars or more. Uh, you will get some cookie brownies and, and $100 or more. Who knows? Maybe I'll even come over and mow your lawn. All right. We have a call. Let's see if we can do this. We'll see if it works. Let me uh, first try turning on the phone. There we go. Slide that slider up. Button is red. Okay. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with our guest, Doug Engler. How are you? Hello? Once. Twice. Hello? Alright, you know what? I'm not taking credit. I'm not taking responsibility for that one. I did everything I was supposed to do. Look, well, look, that light's on. That- this light was on, I turned it off. Alright. <laughs> Moving on. Again, if you want to call in, the numbers are 508 996 500 996 1420 Now, Doug, you had mentioned to me that you're gonna be doing your own program on Live I am
0: in the works of having my own uh, program on liveparanormal.com. I uh, haven't finalized anything because uh, the site owner is extremely busy, um, especially when getting ready for this 3,000-show uh, weekend. I know all weekend he's had. Um, guests on the shows from Ghost Hunters at Ghost Hunters International uh, and some other celebrity appearances as well. Um So trying to finalize. Plus, I was planning the trip out here from Syracuse. And Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, it's a lot of fun being a a Red Sox and Patriots fan in Syracuse. (laughs) I have a blast with it. I get so much crap, but I can give it right back.
2: Well, we should also say, too, that you you didn't make the trip all the way out here just to do our show. You're here for a very special reason. Oh,
0: yeah. I I have to embarrass my niece who graduated from Middleborough High School today. Samantha, congratulations. Uh,
2: Yes, congratulations.
0: I can't believe that. <laughs> they grew up too damn fast. That's true. Really. That's true.
2: And uh, it's only a matter of uh, days or weeks now until Matt Moniz graduates from high school. So,
1: I hope he's I hope. like maybe he's this is a year.
2: He had he had to start the whole Billy Madison process. Oh, okay. You know, okay. start with there kindergarten and then work his way back. So
0: I I, I I thought he just ended back. up getting stuck with the uh, Beavis and Butthead routine where they kept sending him back a year because he still hadn't learned.
2: It, he won't. Yeah, he just sits in the back of the classroom going. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, The, uh, uh, the, the cool thing though is that, uh, you know, we, we do talk all the time on this program about how this area, uh, has such a footprint in the paranormal community. There's so many great investigators that come from here. I mean, of course you have Taps in Rhode Island, but we also have so many coming from the New England area. John Zaffis, Rosemary Ellen Guiley lives here now. Uh, you know, there's, there's just a strong, we're even sucking ghost hunters from across the country and bringing them over to the eastern seaboard. So there's, such a, a a good community here already and you can tell that there's something different about this area i'm sure living out in the syracuse area you know that when you come back here the energy is different
0: oh yeah and you, you this area is where i experimented the most with my abilities and where i learned to t- fine-tune my abilities i have found places in carver that are highly active. I've been to places in Wareham that are highly active. Plymouth, half of Plymouth has activity that people would never even suspect. I mean, I mean not I'm not talking about Plymouth Plantation or anything like that, but downtown Plymouth, that big mm-hmm. grassy hill has so much energy emanating from Coles it.
2: Cole's Hill, yeah, Bur- Burial Hill as it's known, yeah.
0: Because of yeah, because of it's a b- burial. A lot of people n- go there and never even realize how that it's a grave. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
2: And not only that, but uh, from what we learned doing a Haunted Plymouth episode, it was it was uh, the Indians used it to bury the dead even before the, the pilgrims arrived. Yep. So it is. It, and that's one of the things I was just working on this week is I was talking to some people from Plymouth who are going to be coming on the show somewhat down the line. Uh, they actually run the Jenny Grist Mill. And the Jenny House that's attached to it, and uh, you know, I want we want to have them come on and talk about the history and the tours that they do there and their preservation work. But I said to them, you know, if anything ghostly goes on, just let us know. And and they said, no, no paranormal goes on there. And I I find it hard to believe that you can be in downtown Plymouth and not have paranormal activity going on, yeah, especially being right across the street from from the uh, cemetery there.
0: Yeah, and I don't I don't know how many different shops and stuff along the main street there have activity that goes on but they don't say anything because Mm -hmm. it being taboo or because of the area or whatever they don't want to be known as a tourist attraction for ghosts they want to be known as a tourist attraction for the history of the pilgrims and Mm -hmm. things like that which you can understand and, and respect especially if you're a respectable person in the field of the paranormal you know to respect people's privacy if they don't want something known you don't say it and there's too many young groups out there that don't understand that yet that make us look bad in the paranormal world thanks to the tv shows and stuff anybody who has 50 bucks can go to the store buy a voice recorder get a cheap camera or something like that go out to a cemetery and go ghost hunting now I, i don't recommend doing that unless you have permission to be in the cemetery at certain times i mean during the day usually you won't have a problem but if you're going in at night with that stuff you probably will have police intervention unless you've notified them ahead of time. Just a couple of
2: phone calls to protect yourself. I
0: mean, it it really is amazing that if you take one or two minutes, you can save yourself hours of hassle. And and what's funny about it, too, is you
2: see this new generation. We are up again. We have about five minutes uh, in this hour. But we get into this new generation of people that are interested in the paranormal, and it's not that they want to pick up a evp recorder a tape recorder and go capture evps or pick up a video camera or do this they all want to go online you know buy the Melmeter and all the latest equipment and then they want to run into places acting like zach baggins and that doesn't work no you know that that style works for them because they have permission to be in these locations they're in that lockdown mode and they can go in there and act that way if you just go into a place you know a random supposedly haunted location and start running around acting like zach You know, People are going to look at you and be like, what is this guy's problem? Because the way that they act is not necessarily respectable to a lot of these locations. I mean, and and they they know that. They take slack for that all the time, and they they face it head on. But that's what you have to be aware of is you're going into somebody else's place, and you need to kind of conduct yourself in the fashion of no different than if you were there for any other type of business. All right, let's take this call. Let's try to take this call and see if we can do it. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Doug Engler. How are you?
3: Hi, hi, hi crew. Hi, Doug. Hi. Uh, I'm I'm from Syracuse. Uh, do you live there now? Or, or? I do live in the
0: Syracuse area. Um, I moved out there about seven years ago from this area, actually.
3: What made you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Go on.
0: I the other. To, to be honest, my wife is from that area, and I just fell in love with the area. It's just so laid back and. The cost of living is ten times cheaper.
2: Doug, you can yeah. you can just admit it. You can just say you had to do it because your wife made you.
0: Actually, I did it more because I wanted to. I had to get away from Massachusetts. <laughs> Massachusetts is driving me nuts.
3: <laughs> well, I'm afraid half the population that used to be there when I was there has gone
0: elsewhere. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm probably one. I'm probably one of the exceptions to the rules. I actually moved to one of the snow belt capitals of the world.
3: No, uh, you're, you're right. The uh, you go south of there, anything up, uh, it's beautiful. It's what, but this place you're calling Rolling Hills, can you tell me approximately where that is in the area?
0: It is uh around the Batavia. It's actually located in the town of East Bethany. Um just on the other side of Rochester. It's probably about 2 hours from Syracuse.
3: Okay, that's uh, yeah, okay, that's pretty far. Out. Yeah.
2: And they actually, they do frequent events out there all the time. I mean, there's always stuff going on
0: there. Oh, yeah. We actually have a Live Paranormal event that's going to that's be coming up. Uh, the tentative date is August 4th, but nothing's been finalized yet, so I don't have a whole lot of information on that. Um, the site owner is trying to get all the information on in that finalized. So tune in to com for updates on that.
3: Ah, I, now I've heard many tales from people who lived along the that I knew that lived along the old Erie Canal of hearing and seeing things, especially this area east of Syracuse. Oh, yeah, down, down
0: by the, Chittenango, there was a yep. lot of stuff. Chittenango um,
3: Landing. And, uh, yeah. I've actually
0: been able to go on a ghost walk there with uh, the CNYGH, and um, I didn't pr- pick up anything on the recorder or camera, but I we did see a shadow on the other side, and there's not even a walkway on the other side where we were at. So we saw yeah, somebody the walking. So for, grass, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it uh,
1: also, I was going to say, isn't it also uh, common reports of seeing and hearing horses and uh, stuff? Yeah. They used oh, to haul the, I guess, the... boats.
0: Yeah. They used to use horses and mules to, from what I understand, they used to use horses and mules to walk the pass alongside, to move the ki- the, bo- the barges up and down the canal. Um, yeah those are the
3: stories those are the stories i heard most often and uh night sometimes uh, people see the lanterns that they'd have on the barges (laughs) just lights Uh, wonderful sightings by many people
0: i wasn't lucky enough to catch that i think somebody else in in our group was able to but i personally didn't see that so i can't really i know that it's things that have been seen but
3: Oh, there's so much to do there with the heritage of the Yanandaga, and all the, oh
0: yeah. yeah. And also, uh, I know in Syracuse the Landmark Theater is haunted, the Palace Theater is haunted, um, and I know Landmark Theater hosts public events almost every year, at least once a year.
2: All right, so you got to get out there and check out some of those for yourself.
3: Uh, I uh, I don't live there anymore, but I have many friends that still go there, and I get to visit every once in a while. Anyway, thanks. All right. thanks Thank info. you. Thanks for the
2: show. Have a great night. Thank you for the call. All right. We are coming up on the end of the first hour, but when we come back in hour number two, we'll be joined on the phone by Felicia Femino, uh, a Plymouth resident who recently sighted some UFOs out there. So we're going to have Matt Moniz ask her some pertinent questions about that, and we'll discuss those sightings as well. Uh, and if you've experience those sightings as well feel free to call in in the second hour 508-996-0500 996 we'll also be joined by our show's content director chris balzano for a balzano breakdown on all the weird zombie face eating intestine throwing brain eating news that happened over Brains. the course of the past week so stay tuned we'll be right back coming up after the news with more here on spooky south coast
1: Welcome to Spooky South
0: Coast Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it doesn't AM
1: 1420
3: WBSN presents Spooky South Coast With your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Pascoe
2: Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz. And we have joining us in the studio from LiveParanormal.com, Doug Angler is here with us. And uh, we are talking about the paranormal as we do each and every Saturday night. We had a great discussion in the first hour with Doug about his work with Live Paranormal. Uh, be sure to check out the website and, and follow along with some of the shows and stay tuned for Doug's show, which will be coming soon to there as well. But... Uh, one of the things that happened, we're going to be talking a lot about news that happened over the course of this past week, uh, especially a little bit later on with our show's content director, Chris Balzano. He'll be joining us for a Balzano breakdown, a patented Balzano breakdown of the face-eating, intestine-throwing, brain-chomping, just degenerates that were in the news all this week. But uh, we have joining us on the line, we have a guest. Her name is Felicia Femino, and she's from Plymouth. So we're keeping it local here on Spooky South Coast tonight and uh Sorry, I had a little bit of trouble there turning everything on. Good evening, Felicia. Are you with us? Yes, I am. All right, we're we're glad to have you here on the show. Now, I I saw the story about the UFOs because some of our local friends and listeners uh posted it up on my Facebook wall, and uh, the story actually broke in the on the wicked local Plymouth website, which is the site for the Old Colony Memorial. Um I mean, how did it come about that uh, that you had this sighting? Why don't you take us kind of through what you experienced?
4: Um, well, basically what happened was we were outside, you know, around dusk. Uh, we were, you know, we were cooking, like, burgers and hot dogs. My mom and uh, a good friend of ours and uh, my two little sisters and myself. And when uh, our close family friend saw orbs, just like the orange orbs, like, you know, floating, kind of like flying, mm-hmm. and um, across the sky over the trees, probably like maybe like a couple miles up. Um, and it was just so weird. And so we saw a couple in triangle formation, and just they kept coming, and we counted like 14 of them.
2: Now, when you said it was around dusk, and it was, uh, I mean, were they, they bright enough that you could make them all clearly? Because you posted the video up, uh, online on on youtube and that 's of course been picked up by by the news outlets that are reporting the story, but they 're kind of hard to make out in the video, but with your yeah. own eye, I mean, how luminescent would you say that they were with the naked eye
4: oh no they were they were very clearly seen i mean there was there weren 't even really any clouds in the sky um, yeah, the video is actually a poor representation of what we saw um, but after searching a little bit, I saw a video of a sighting in Missouri, which is very, it's basically identical to what we saw, because it was very clear they were a lot bigger than what you see in the video. And,
2: well, uh, yeah. well I, I saw that today. I saw that there were sightings um, elsewhere at the same time. So, I mean, to me, that just makes it so that you can throw out some of the, the usual uh, debunking attempts that the skeptics are going to throw at you, you know, and, and even you asked it yourself, you know, with the idea of the, the paper lanterns, you know, the party lights, the, the party lanterns that people are firing off now. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so, I, I know that you actually did some due diligence as somebody like Matt Moniz would, and you actually called the airport to find out if there had been any, any kind of, uh, craft flying over.
4: Uh, yeah, I did. And, uh, I got a hold of air traffic control streams as well. Uh, pilots flying, flying into Logan. That was interesting too. Um, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to do whatever possible to find, like, a logical explanation for it. And I knew as soon as um, the guy who answered the phone at the airport, as soon as he said he didn't know what they were, I, I knew it was interesting. I knew it was going to be weird.
2: Yeah, and so when you decided to take the story to the news media, uh, how did that come about that, that it, it became known to them? Did you contact them? Uh, I mean, they had mentioned that you were a journalism student.
4: Um, yes, this fall.
2: So, I mean, was it just your natural inclination to kind of, kind of spread the word of what you saw, being, being of a journalistic nature?
4: You know, it actually just kind of happened uh, by chance. Um, I was at work. I'm not going to mention where I work, but I was at work, and uh, Emily Clark, who wrote the story, we kind of know of each other, mm-hmm. and uh, I've talked about journalism and newspapers with her before. And I mentioned the lights, and she seemed very interested. So she told me to send her an email and send her the videos, and so I did. And I wasn't even expecting to get any press at all. Um, I just thought it was interesting. And then she turned it into an awesome news story.
2: Now, I'm, I'm watching the video uh, on YouTube, and for those in the chat room they have been asking about where they can see this, you have posted it up on YouTube under the name Felicia Femino, your name, of course. Uh, yep. And it's also linked up on the Wicked Local Plymouth website, uh, Website. So if you just go into Google and type Plymouth Mass UFO, you know this video is going to be the first thing that comes up. and I'm, I'm watching the video, and you can see, as you mentioned, the triangle formation of these lights. But they also, there seems to be some erratic movement of these lights. I don't know if that's because you're moving the camera around, or if the lights themselves are moving around at that speed.
4: No, you know what? I'll tell you what it was. I was trying to figure out how to zoom on the camera. It was a, <laughs> an iPhone, and I was tapping it, so I didn't have a steady hand, and it looks as if it was a laser pointer you know, on the in the sky. I could see where that would come from, but I'm I'm telling you. They were they were pretty steady. They had a path. Um so I do apologize for the shakiness of the video. Well
2: wow, no problem. I <laughs> mean it's something it's something that happens to anybody that's in this situation of you know, you're just trying to capture this moment and, and be able to have some kind of proof that it happened.
4: Oh man, yeah.
2: What what's the response been from people uh, now now that this story is broken?
4: Um you know, it's like it's mixed, but for the most part it's people are very interested and curious. Um, I have had people try to debunk it. Um, I've actually had people uh really upset about the fact that there was some coughing in the video. Had I known that a lot of people <laughs> would be seeing it, probably would have been different. Um, so I guess I apologize for that. But um you don't have yeah, to apologize no, for that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's um A lot of people are, you know, goofing off, too, on comments, which I thought were pretty funny. But for the most part, I've been getting comments um, from people who really know their stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people who work with weather balloons and, um, you know, somehow connected to, like, airports. And they're all telling me that um, it's a very interesting case. You know, it's not, like, something they see every day. I thought that was kind of
2: interesting. and I know a lot of people are are quick to say, you know the Plymouth mass area, you know, it's not really known as a UFO hotbed, but of course, Matt Moniz, my co-host here, has been investigating UFOs for for decades and and this area actually does have quite a bit of UFO activity. actually, right? it has
1: quite a bit uh, the whole really? oh yeah, from the tip of Cape Cod all the way up into uh, Rockport Mass, this whole coastal line of Eastern Massachusetts has been a hotbed for actually past 300 years. Historically. And we have records going back to, uh, journal entries, uh, uh, Governor, uh, Winthrop actually has stuff from like 1680.
2: And, uh, and Felicia here in this neck of the woods in, in Dartmouth, Massachusetts, there used to be a big radio antenna called, they called it the martini glass. Yeah. Because of the way that it was shaped. And it was actually, you know, Round Hill. Round Hill, there's rumors that uh, Colonel Green, who actually built this, was using it as a way to kind of contact UFOs, uh, in addition to radio broadcasts. So there's a lot of sightings down this end of southeastern Massachusetts too, so. That's fantastic. Now, Moniz, do you have any questions about the site? I mean, I know you've had a chance to see the video, but do you have any questions I, about the I've had a itself? chance to
1: see the video on, like, my iPhone, which mm-hmm. is not exactly the best, so I can't get any real detail from it. I, I would like to have her describe what she heard and what she felt when she was watching it and if she's able to determine approximate size and distance.
4: Ooh, okay.
1: Yeah, um, it's not as easy as it sounds, is it?
4: Yeah, in terms of approximation, okay, well, let me. Um,
1: well, let me ask you this. What detail about it sticks out the most in your mind?
4: Just the fact that, um, you know, it was, it was, it seemed so organized, you know, like as if they had a path and it wasn't, it was just, they were going wherever they were going to go, uh, and really I felt, you know, I didn't even think that it was a big deal. Like, whatever it was, I don't think that whoever was controlling it thought it was a big deal that everybody saw, you know? Okay. Just like they were doing their thing. I don't.
2: No, I, I get you. I <laughs> definitely wasn't, they weren't trying to be
1: covert at all. All right, can you best describe the colors?
4: Um, it was mostly like a, like a really bright, um, kind of like, it had orange to it, but it was like yellow, too. It was like a bright yellow-orange.
1: Amber? Yeah. Okay. That's probably the closest you can come between yellow and orange would be amber. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> no, not a problem. That's actually one of the most common colors that's reported. Um, sound.
4: There was no sound.
1: Okay. Now, are you assuming that's because of the distance involved?
4: Um, no, actually. I was kind of shocked by the fact that there was no sound because they were actually, they were relatively close.
1: Define close if you could for me. This is radio, so I need, uh, you to verbally describe. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's <laughs> like, eh,
4: Yeah, okay. Um, you have to excuse right. Moniz.
2: He nods at drive-thrus. <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right, um... Well, I did mention I was on another radio station. I mentioned 1,000 feet, which is absolutely wrong. I would say, actually, it was probably a couple miles up.
1: A couple miles up?
4: Maybe like a mile or two. Okay. Definitely not as high as like a commercial, you know, jet. Okay. Um, And maybe a little higher than a low-flying plane.
1: Okay. The average plane flies at about 1,500 feet. Uh, small single engines between fifteen hundred to you know uh, eight thousand, depending upon their where they're headed to.
2: But at the same time, where you live, Felicia, you must be
1: used to that type of sighting. Yeah. How close airport. are you to Plymouth Airport exactly?
4: Oh, I am. Um, I'm off of Carver Road, so it's basically like parallel to the airport, not mm-hmm. far at all. Probably like five minutes.
1: Okay, so you would be used to seeing planes come and go from Plymouth Airport, and you know what they oh. look like and sound like.
4: Absolutely, I hear them all the time.
1: Okay, so this is what I'm trying to rule out. Now, did these lights themselves uh, seem like the structure or part of a structure? Do you understand the question?
4: Yes. Um, The lights themselves just seemed like their own individual structures.
1: Okay. How big would you say they would be? At, oh, if at, I the, at the distance you were looking at, would they be the size of the head of a pin, maybe, you know, the size of a, uh, a small penny or or what have you? I'd, it's hard to I'd tell with the, the video.
4: I'd say the size of like, probably like a penny. Okay. From so where I was,
1: from where you were standing, they were of sub- significant size, in terms of their looking at them in the from the ground. Correct.
2: Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. So it just sounds like it had to be something that was completely soundless. Being that, that was
4: the weirdest
1: part. Right now,
2: what, what one question that I have, and I'm not a, a UFO investigator by any means, but one question that I would ask is: uh, obviously, you know, it's dusk on a on a late spring, early summer evening. Uh, what was the environmental reaction to it? Did you he- still hear, you know, crickets chirping? Did you still hear bugs buzzing, birds calling? Was there all that stuff still going on, or was it silent? It was just
0: quiet.
4: Yeah, you know, I didn't. It was, I mean, I didn't notice. I was more preoccupied with what I was seeing in the sky, but Mm -hmm. there was no noticeable change. Nothing was just completely silent. But it was just kind of normal. There wasn't anything really going on.
1: Nothing in your environment changed around you is what you're saying.
4: It didn't seem to.
1: Okay. Now, you said you saw close to 17 of them? 14. 14, okay, thank you. And were did they change their relative position to each other, or did they remain a constant, equidistance apart, or was that
4: it... that was the weirdest thing that we saw? Was that in the second video, uh, part two that I put up on YouTube? What was weird about it was there were two that were flying very close to each other, and at one point they actually joined together, and I didn't see this in the I. I, like, I was focused on the camera, but in the video, when they joined together, um, like, a big red kind of, like, combustion happens for, like, a brief second. And then, you know, then they just were one, from what I could see. And then, um, and the lights seemed to disappear after they just kind of went a distance away.
1: Now, did they... Take off at high speed, or did they just blink out?
4: Um, I did notice acceleration and changes in altitude a little bit, but um, they did just kind of blink out. Okay. When they were when the sighting was done.
2: Well, what's interesting is you know we had, and to me it doesn't sound like you know the party lights, the, the Chinese lanterns that have been responsible for sightings lately, but. Uh, You know, we had that spin come out right away when we had this similar sighting over New Bedford uh, a few months ago. And right away, there was the immediate spin comes out, the immediate discreditation of this is a UFO sighting comes out. And we haven't heard any of that in regards to the Plymouth sighting.
1: Well, I went to investigate that sighting you were talking about. I talked to the principal person involved, and what he recorded on video was only a tail end of an entire encounter that he had you know the these other lights were at a distance over the uh, cooling towers but what he had him and his friend had happened above him was of a very large significant nature which in no way could have been construed with anything like a party light but unfortunately like i said hindsight's 2020 when you're watching these things and Mm -hmm. then things move on oh i've got a camera phone let me pick it up and actually start recording i mean not everybody's you know at the presence of mind to pick up the camera just as a car accident is happening. Yeah. You know, it's something similar.
2: Felicia, have you heard anybody come out with any possible explanations for this? Uh, you know, anybody trying to discredit your story?
4: Um, I've heard a couple. I've heard um, some seem more legitimate than others. I've heard lasers on a, fa- a small, you know, low flying cloud. I've heard that. I've heard paper lanterns. I've heard RC helicopters um, and. A lot of people were very quick to dismiss those, which I thought were interesting. Um, but then I, back, I kind of backed it up with my evidence that I came up with on my own before the story even came out. And then I've heard theories about it being aircraft, military aircraft, or drones, something like that. But nobody has come out and say, said, that's absolutely what it is. It's just speculation.
0: Hmm.
2: Well... I hope that as you go forward with this, and I'm sure, you know, being a journalist in, in training here, that you're going to make sure that you stick to the story and keep asking questions. And I know Moniz is going to keep looking into things, too, because that's just what he does.
1: If she's amiable, I'd like to sit down and talk with her and view the video firsthand and mm-hmm. see see the location if if she's up to it.
4: Absolutely.
0: All
2: right. right. Well, we'll, I'll connect you guys uh, off the air and uh, during the course of the week, and hopefully you can keep us up to date with what you find.
0: And I did have one question for you. Has anybody else um, come forward saying that they saw the same thing that you did that night?
2: Yes,
4: actually. Um, After I posted the video, within a couple hours, I got uh, somebody contact me through Facebook, and she was the one who came to me with the air traffic control website, and together we went through it, and we found the exact clip. Alright. So,
1: yeah. Alright. I got a question for you. In the area where you live, are there, um, gas stations or other, um, businesses? Or is this a rural community that you've come uh, uh, from?
4: No, I'm pretty close to the highway. I'm pretty close to, uh, a large, like, out, outdoor shopping mall and All a lot right. of businesses.
1: Alright. Now, uh, being in, let's call it journalism right now, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh have you thought about going to these businesses and particular to their security desk and asking to see their video from the night surveillance footage to see if they captured these objects on their external cameras oh, viewing over the parking lot for that time?
4: I I didn't think of that. Actually. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> weather yeah. ser- Weather Service too. I
2: know that they have I think two or three cameras located around the Plymouth area, including one at the airport.
1: Uh, another one she also may want to talk to is the Forest Service because they have the uh, fire monitoring towers that are out there that usually have cameras mounted up.
4: Oh, wow, okay. All
2: right, All right. well, we'll let you guys work on that together, and, and please keep us up to date.
0: Awesome. And definitely keep posting them if you get more information on it or more video footage. If you can get the permission, post it up on Facebook. I haven't seen it. Uh, personally, it's the first I've heard of it, but I'll definitely, when I get home, check it out. Okay.
4: All right.
2: Thanks so much for joining us. Thank
0: you.
4: Thanks for having
0: me. All right. Future Pulitzer Prize
2: winner, Felicia Femina. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night. <coughs> All right. So uh, that that was uh, interesting, uh, Monies, to see how you break down. We, we've we done this a few times. We've had yeah. reports on the show. And to watch you go through the process of of – you know, the questions that you ask in trying to determine this.
1: Well, what I try and do is ask the same question sometimes in a couple of different ways to see how the person reacts to the question. And, um, you, you kind of jumped me on one of the other questions like, Oh, okay. You'll follow it up for me. Fine. Thank you. Uh, but what it is is you're trying to get the most information out of the person as possible that's, uh, had the sighting. And you start with the thing that they remember the most and work your way backwards, just like you do in ghost hunting, you know. Definitely. W- sa- same idea. I mean, with UFO sightings, things are a little bit different because you're dealing with stuff generally externally. Ghost hunting is usually happening inside the house. But the principle is the same. What what stuck out the most in your mind? Uh, what what can you tell me about the salient details, you know, the color, shape, size, direction, speed, sound, smell in some cases, Yep. You know, what what makes a difference with uh cases like uh UFOs versus ghosts is not always does uh UFOs happen in the same place. Whereas the haunting, you know, it's a haunting. It's pretty much you know, anchored to the building or land or what have you. All
2: right. Well, from one news story uh that came this week, uh, broke this week, to another. We have joining us on the line for one of his patented Balzano breakdowns. We have our very own Spooky South Coast content director and uh, basically the, the light of my life, Chris Balzano, joining us on the phone. Good evening, Chris. How are you? Good
5: evening. How are you?
2: Oh, we are spooktacular, as always.
5: First, let me just say how enjoyable it was to uh, to hear Moniz break that stuff down. And I think that can really be a, a little five-minute guide to how to, uh, how to interview uh, someone who's seen a UFO sighting. So
1: Moniz, kudos to you on that one, brother. Oh, I'm glad you guys appreciated it. I mean, I just wanted to keep it simple and get the basic information. I mean, when I sit down with her later, I'll get more details, but you get basically the senses out of the person. I asked what she saw, what she felt, what she, what, you know, heard and things like that. And, well, if she's tasting the stuff, I don't want to know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, we, we have you on to, to talk about some pretty strange news, and, and normally if we have you on, it's, it's, there's bound to be something strange that pops up. And i gotta yeah. say, I, I got to say, it's I don't think it's a coincidence that the first of this uh, triumvirate of really weird tales over the past week or so, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that it comes from Florida.
5: Yeah, and, and, and it, it came to in Florida as I was on a, uh, a, a zombie hunt myself. Uh, doing a little uh, my first 5K, and then of course the next morning you you texted me the the report and and it came out and it, uh, it was absolutely horrific and it, and it was the case of the the man who um, who was was shot uh, repeatedly by the police after they saw him consuming someone and he was literally bent over like bringing up pieces of this man as he was um, as, as he was eating him. Um, and, and the initial reaction was very odd, I thought, is that most people were not um, moved by the horrific nature of it, but people were making jokes of it. Um, you know, I was going to post something that the next day, uh, you know, I'm all for a good joke, but every single talk radio person, unfortunately, uh, southwest Florida seems to have completely gone rid of all kinds of radio that's not talk radio now all of them were doing the same jokes about it. And it was kind of weird. And then as the week advanced and we were finding out some more details about that one and these other ones were coming out, um, people started to get a little freaked out. And, uh, and, and of course, you know, the the people who are really out there started calling it the zombie apocalypse. I'm not quite sure I'm ready for uh, for that kind of uh, intensity, but it is pointing to something very weird going on.
2: I mean, we have this this guy in Miami who uh it, you kind of gave a quick rundown about it but it was a guy who was chewing the face off a homeless man and when he was asked to stop he didn't they opened fire he kept eating so kept finally eating. they plugged him
1: a few more times and there is a video that exists so- from from the Miami Herald
2: yeah. which uh this happened right across the street from the Miami Herald conveniently but we find out now that this gentleman uh who was having someone else's face for his evening meal was probably high on what are called bath salts, you know, this this uh, this methamphetamine that's made and sold in convenience stores, actually. Right, and, and, it, uh, and it's
5: illegal in Florida, by the way. Is it legal? It is illegal in Florida. The, the problem is that Moniz might be able to talk uh, about this and maybe even some of the effects of it um, is that they can very easily change um, very small ingredients uh, to something and then just remarket it as, as, as another name. And there's already... Um, you know, it, it's in the same place, it's in the same location. People aren't necessarily looking for it by name, but by the color of the package and mm-hmm. where it's located in these convenience stores. And as soon as something gets banned, they just change one ingredient, or they change one molecule of the chemical makeup of it, and then they resell it.
1: It has to do with the order in which you see, the order in which you see things in terms of ingredients are percentages. Now, if they're just changing the amount of filler and fragrance, you switch you know, the concentration of those who change one from 15 to 10 and the other from 10 to 15, you now by law have a new product and right. that product and is no longer subject to the previous rules.
5: And I've, I've also been, cause I, I did a little research on this early in the week when my wife said, I think he was high on bath salt. Um, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. So I had to do <laughs> so I did a little research <laughs> earlier in the week on it. And, and, and from my understanding, Matt, um, is that they also can change the nature of the chemicals. So it's not even just the ingredients Correct. that are like the filler, but also the chemicals. So, you know, and these are completely made-up names, but oxybipolythene becomes oxytripolythene, and therefore it's a different thing, and now they have right. to go through the whole process of banning that. So Yep. And no one's really saying, wow, I want that, you know, and sonantonesin they say they I want They put a the... different
1: adjunct on the end. Right. And it make it, it's essentially the same thing, you know.
2: And in one store, it might be marketed as plant food. And then in another store, it's marketed as something else. You know, and, and it's just, it, like you mentioned, it's the colors of the package that... Right, and then more the importantly,
5: the their location in the convenience store. Because those are the big places that are selling this. You're not going to find this um, at a Seven Eleven even necessarily, or like a, a raceway or, or a Hess. You're going to find it in like the local... Uh, head shops, you're going to find it in the smaller uh, local convenience stores, and they're always in the same location. They're right next to the, the, the flavored tobacco and the, and, the, and the incense and stuff like that, and then these little packets, and they're sold as, you know, kind of herbal ecstasy or they're sold as, like, herbal um, supplements or, or energy boosters or sexual stimulants. And, uh, and the people who use them know the, the effect it has on them, and so when the product name changes, they know exactly where to go in the store to get the next one that's out. It's very similar to the to the alcohol um, that they're creating that's mixed with all this other stuff, but they just the, keep changing the name local? and banning it, and they just change it, yeah, like that.
2: Now, we can blame bath salts for the face chewing in Miami, uh, mm-hmm. but then some of these other stories that have come out are, are even weirder. Uh, we have in Maryland... Uh, a Morgan State University student by the name of uh, Alexander Kinyua uh, was arrested uh, in the attack against his friend, uh, the, the the person that he lived with. Um, apparently, what happened was he had murdered him, and he had him in some storage containers in his basement. Parts of his body, including his head and two hands, uh, that were found mm-hmm. by this Alexander Kinyua's brother, uh, and he said that of course th- those aren't human parts, and then the containers disappeared. Well, it turns out that uh he had actually cut this guy that he lived with up and had ingested portions of his heart and brain and then mm-hmm. placed the rest of his body in a trash bin at a nearby church. And And this guy is apparently known for crazy behavior. Uh He posted on his Facebook wall about mass human sacrifices and fellow students at Morgan State said that he was known as being in his own little world and for preaching. So you've got that typical, you know, College student. That's just a regular college student, right? Talking about mass human sacrifices and eating people that he lives with. Uh,
1: (laughs) It's got to be. I work in the uh, (laughs) MIT uh, area uh, in that campus. And some of the students walking around there, some of the conversations I hear, they're they're out there.
2: And this has come from Moniz. Yeah. (laughs) And then, of course, we have the the guy in Hackensack, New Jersey, who stabbed himself repeatedly with a 12-inch long knife. And then threw his intestines at the police as they tried to subdue him. He actually, literally, pulled his intestines out of his body and threw them at the cops. So I don't know no, where I've you want been, to go from there, Chris. <laughs>
5: well, I mean, well, what about
1: before. the woman in California that tried to eat the baby's arm? That took the kid right out of the stroller. You didn't hear about no, that, didn't one. Hear Did, that one. I didn't hear that one. There was also another gentleman that um, let's call it he, he he tried. He didn't try. He actually succeeded in. Biting off a young man's reproductive organs. Uh, there was another man that bit off his wife's lips. In, all, in the, all in the past All week in this so? past week, yes.
2: And then there was a the guy who was throwing uh, children off a balcony and then killed himself. Yep. You know, what What the hell's going on, Chris?
0: I had heard a story about in uh, either Japan or China that a man had gone, had a sex change, was able to bring it home, and cooked it, and served it up as a delicacy to five knowing individuals who paid $250 apiece to eat this man's um, yeah. removed private parts.
2: Well, that's not really weird. I mean, that's a delicacy.
0: Yeah, it, it just I, gives y- new meaning to cocktail weenie, you know.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, you've never tried Japanese filet penis before? <laughs> I, I No, I'm not. <laughs> not. No, me either. Uh, I know, we're not going to talk about penises and junkets. Adam's a <laughs> rule. <and> <laughs> so. I, uh...
5: I'm thinking back to the movie The Ref, where he says, "Don't you know, but don't eat the penis. It's just garnish." (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. My wife had heard. My wife had heard earlier in the week about the New Jersey case um, being also connected to Baffinault, and I'm not sure if that was just whoever she happened to hear on the radio. Because I've been searching um, since he asked me to come on. Searching for. Um, an article that says that that confirms the use of drugs in there, and they yeah, only the, said the man has a history of drug use. Yeah, the story Nothing I say he said did of he? Drugs.
2: Wayne Carter has a history of psychiatric problems. So
5: right, right, and and you know, it, it immediately when I heard the first case, um, especially as I was looking at some of the impacts that that basketball have on people, is I was thinking um, back to that old uh, movie with William Hurt which is the name is escaping me right now, where, where he basically gets this, this strong form of, of uh, peyote and goes into a, a, a deprivation chamber. And scanners. as he, someone no, no, pre- predates even scanners. It's um, my word. I had it written down and now I don't oh. even find it.
2: Oh. Uh, Chops chopswood says in the chat room, altered, altered states.
1: states. Yeah.
5: Altered states, exactly. And as he does this, he goes through these various states of like, you know, dehumanizing. So he goes from a, from the, I think his first thing, he, he runs naked through the, through the city and ends up in the zoo and eats something. And then eventually he gets into this kind of like a state where he actually loses all of his humanity. And he's just kind of this blob of, of nothingness. And, and I, as I was reading the details of what some of these drugs are doing, especially some of these, um, these designer synthetic things that they're creating, They seem to act very much like LSD, but then with the same qualities of things like crystal meth. So you're having this, like, um, um, jacked-up rush of chemicals to the brain, but then these trips. And and it seems to be that we're resorting back to some kind of primitive state. And, And the best research that I could do on kind of the concept of cannibalism was to look back, you know, at some of the... Serial killers uh, of the past, and, and, and some of the, the work of, like, you know, Jack Levin at Northeastern and things that they've done uh, in terms of researching that. And it seems like there's a, this very primal thing that is still inside of us to cannibalize.
2: Well, it's interesting. Um, that you mentioned primal, and we just had a question from low battery Dave in the chat room who wants to know if a drug can eliminate the higher functions and only allow the primitive primate responses. And yes. it sounds like that's exactly yes. what's happening with these. Yes.
5: Yeah, and it's, it's that, and that seems to be one of the objectives, at least, of some of these drugs in their purest state, is to um, get rid of what's now and get rid of what's current and what's pressuring you, and expand your mind to taking things that you normally wouldn't. Um, and so, I mean, you know, people have been using these kinds of things for vision quests for centuries, if not millennia, um, to to get in touch with nature and to find find that kind of, like, the spiritual connection. And these seem like those kinds of things, not technically, but figuratively on steroids. And so it might make sense to unlock um, something. I don't think any of these people necessarily were were cannibals, and this just made them free to do it. I think it's actually unlocking some part of human nature. And I I think, you know, if you look at the age of the guy in Maryland, it's, it's very similar to... Um, and and if you have any people who specialize in psychology, from what I understand, that's about the time when schizophrenic breaks happen, you know, uh, in your, between, you know, the ages of like 16 and 22 are the most common times to have, you know, because his behavior had dramatically changed. And so when you look at behavior that's dramatically changed, you look at A, drug influence, B, any other kind of changes, and and both of the the people in that case need to have these, Really unclear criminal things that were going on, um, although the the the, the murder himself seems to be much more current. Um, And then you look to psychological breaks, and that's a perfect time for um, schizophrenia to come in. And then once that hits, you know, you really can lose what was you, and you become something different.
0: Can I play devil's advocate? Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, can I play devil's advocate here just for a minute? Um, With all these outbreaks, it is coming upon a week after the release of the Diablo 3 video game. It is on the heels of Hollywood being big into zombies now. They went from vampires to zombies and all this stuff going on. Could that have a possible influence where we are seeing some younger people who are experimenting with Different type, types of drugs. They see these movies, and then they want to reenact. You know, it's like after Alien happened, everybody was afraid of alien invasions and things of that nature. Um, could that? Yeah, I
5: can I can completely agree with that. You have both you have both this kind of nature natural um, instinct that might be there that might be you know pre Homo sapien, along with a very very heavy current media influence of it, and so it's, it's kind of like this. This rotisserie of either thing that can, can kind of be influencing or a combination of them as well. So I would completely agree with that. it's you know, it's very similar to you know people who were you know uh, dropping out back in the sixties and seventies who were having guides who were using their you know modern you know media to kind of navigate these trips and people were sharing visions that were the same.
1: Turn on, tune in, and drop out. Has taken on a whole new meaning then.
5: Uh, it it really has. I mean, it, and it is kind of you know the the interesting and intriguing and maybe even beneficial uh, work of those chemists back then that are now being kind of I hate to say bastardized, but it, it's into into something new. You know, it's all those people who are playing around with chemicals. You know, they're all dangerous.
1: Really? <laughs> yeah.
2: And I of, wouldn't need point one of
5: I wouldn't even meet one in a, a supposed UFOs uh, uh, sighting location, so. But there you go. <laughs> but it, you know, it is this kind of, you know, and, and like I said, Monique can probably talk to this more. It is, you know, we can we can mark and we can um, document the physical and psychological effects of these things in the controlled laboratory situation. But then when they when they touch upon, you know the like you were saying, the media stuff and, and, and other things, we don't know the prolonged effect of, or impact on these things.
1: No, we don't. We really don't. And when you get people using material that is not generally designed to be put into the body, right? there's little medical uh, study done on that because we're not testing to see what happens in the body, at least not in that, that way in that You know, they'll check for, you know, toxicity to see what happens if you ingest it. You know, how toxic things, but, but it's awful hard to get, you know, test animals to snort the stuff, you know, which is actually how this stuff is, is done. Uh, the best way that they do this with the bathsols is snorting and it goes through the membranes of the nose directly into the brain. Whereas in if you eat it or digest it, the chemicals take on a different Form and it won't really do the exact effect that you're looking for. What's got me perplexed is how did this individ- how did some of these individuals figure out to do this in the first place? You know, to actually Too much try time in there. Yeah. hands.
5: Well, I mean, the, the, specifically the the bath salts and those things are marketed that way. They're marketed to do it to them. You know, and and, and if and if they're not specifically on the label saying to snort it. It's not a huge leap for anyone who who is uh, into doing those kinds of things to go very quickly from burning to ingesting to snorting to shooting. It's this, it's a it's a logical progression of of uh, of most really hardcore drugs, including alcohol.
1: I mean, you can inject alcohol into your body. Yeah, is it right? That's not going to change the um, the effects of the alcohol or the chemical makeup of it. But in order to take something in that's in a crystalline form and try and inject it, you have to dissolve it or melt it down into something. And that, I know, changes the structure of the compound. And that's what I'm saying. If it does something in one phase of its existence and altering it, you're not guaranteeing the same reaction to the body by doing it. Uh, my. I think
5: those people are willing to experiment on that, Moniz, and see what will happen if they do oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that, and like you're saying, that, that's where some of these are coming in. Now, I don't know, if Matt, if you can speak to the FDA process with any of these, because it would seem, with the especially with how quickly they change,
1: well, is there FDA approval to the of these things? Or? Um, now, like I said, these things weren't designed to be put into the body. There's a whole different set of regulations for things that uh, you use externally versus things you use internally. And I've worked in both kinds of labs. Uh, things that you use externally, the materials are less stringently controlled in terms of their testing. Uh, the only effects that they look for is, does it cause any physical effects to the body? Like, does it burn the eyes if it gets on your eyes? Does it burn your skin? Is it toxic if you eat it in an amount over this level? That's basically what they're looking at. It's the basic physical effects. They're not looking to see does it get you high or does it do this or that because that's a drug application. And these people aren't making something that's a quote unquote drug application. So the testing is quite different as well as the regulations. Hopefully that answers your question.
5: Oh, it completely does. It completely does. And, and it's, it's, you know, and then the FDA seems to be concerned as well with the things that we plan on ingesting with long-term impacts.
1: Mm, yeah Uh, i mean things aren't as actually stringent as they used to be uh believe it or not a lot of the material that we uh eat and drink today as well as the new stuff that we um are developing isn't as stringently controlled as it used to be believe it or not
0: certain things are actually i work in the food distribution industry as my regular daytime job and the um new laws and stuff that are coming through are unbelievable we've really had to change how the warehouse is operated almost where we lock every door we have to have the food's got to be kept in certain locations it's got to be monitored it's got to be temperature monitored and but you're talking else.
1: externally i'm talking about the physical material itself
0: oh okay
2: <laughs> well i mean i think that uh the point that doug made a little while ago is is kind of the key to it it No matter what these substances are that people are ingesting and and, you know taking into their body in whatever form or fashion, it is the cultural influence right now that is going to determine where that. I mean, it's one thing uh, they're going to have the trip, and I think that the media and culture is what's going to influence the direction that that trip goes in. And I think that we're seeing, just as he said, you know, we're seeing a, a an infatuation right now with the darker side, the zombie culture, you know, the evil culture, and we're seeing that being played out now in these psychotic breaks of people or in these bad trips of people. Well,
5: well I think the other thing to, to, to note is that in both the Miami case and the Maryland case, um, both of the, the people uh, involved were, had recently um, gone through a religious conversion, um, the gentleman in Maryland, much more active in terms of um, getting in touch with um, animal culture uh, and animal spirits and things like that, and the, the gentleman in Miami, a, a, um, a Christian religious conversion, but both of them had just very recently uh, undergone some very um, intense religious turnover in their brain. And so I think, you know, you, both of those people it would seem might not have been as influenced by the zombie culture as, as maybe some of the other ones that Simone's was talking about that I haven't researched. Um, and so it's almost as if something might have been unlocked in them, and then maybe maybe influenced um, by the media. But, but it, it, it's, it's just interesting that in both of those cases, and there's not enough really out there about the New Jersey case yet, um, but both of those gentlemen in Maryland and, and Miami had both, um, had both recently had very, very intense religious experiences and changed because of those.
2: Well, Moniz made the point, uh, as we were driving in and we were discussing this. He mentioned that, you know, this, this type of stuff happens all the time and that there just isn't as much media culture, uh, media attention paid to it. But what happened was the, the zombie Face eating story broke, and that just kind of captured people's imagination. So now more of these stories made the newswires. Uh, Chris is somebody who looks into this stuff all the time. I mean, how often are you hearing these types of stories? Because Moni's, I, I just, I, I disagree about it happening all the time. You know, I I, I there may be that, pockets of it.
5: I think that this is not as much of a case, like you know, in the in the copycat effect. Uh, they refer to it as kind of the shark syndrome, uh, where when there's a shark attack, all of a sudden there seems to be shark attacks, and there's no increased number of shark attacks. It just happens to be that, um, that you know, every single one is being covered because one big one is covered. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, I agree in part that these kinds of things are not uncommon. Like, they do happen, and they happen on a fairly consistent basis, but the The difference in this is that those stories are so sensationalized that with our modern media, when something like that happens, it hits and people hear it. And so, therefore, I don't think it's a case of um, ones that wouldn't get exposure this week getting exposure because of the Miami case, but rather, um, I mean, maybe we're looking for those stories or people are connecting those stories. But I do agree that they happen more frequently than we really like to um, to think that they do. So maybe the media is putting a, a, a twist on it and, and grouping them together so we can find them easily. They're there every week.
2: But the media controlling information—that doesn't happen.
5: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, it's it's the it's the goal of them to take sensationalized case one and mix it with not so sensationalized case A, B, you know, B, C, and D to form a trend to offer some kind of context for it, right? That's the, I guess that's the nicest way I can put it. But, but the fact of the matter is that these cases are happening and they are covered. And, you know, I come across them fairly frequently just in the keywords that I use for ghost village. Uh, never mind the ones that slip through the cracks. So if you, any week, you can find that there's someone eating someone. And, and oftentimes it happens in other countries much more frequently than it happens here. Um, but you are seeing, you know, you are seeing them grouped together because people are kind of making more of it but i don't think the frequency of the case and in other words i don't think there's more cannibals today than there were last month it just happens to be that um that people are grouping them together for
2: us well there's too many vegans today to have that many cannibals (laughs) for you all right well chris we thank you for joining us and giving us the balzano breakdown uh whenever people go crazy you're always the first person that we think of
5: (laughs) thank you very much i like to (laughs) remain as crazy as possible and you know if it if it happens and it's messed up, it's going to happen here in Florida first. We are the testing <laughs> ground for all things crazy.
2: But uh, more, more the Lakeland area than anything else. <laughs> our apologies well, to our as fans. That in hap-
5: as that was happening, I was moving through Lakeland, so there you go. Yeah, Maybe I there's don't think think it's not a coincidence.
2: It. Not a coincidence. All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we'll be talking to you real soon. Now, Chris, before we go, we just we have uh, about you know forty five seconds here, but we uh, we do have a new venture coming up that we want to let people know about. Right.
5: Yeah, um, we're, we're opening up uh, kind of a, a companion piece to Spooky South Coast on Spooky TV. We're hoping to launch it uh, this week, Wednesday, at um, at 10 o'clock, um, where we're, we're kind of tentative on the, we're calling it the Spooky Lounge right now, but it's basically um, our exploration of things. We talk about on Spooky South Coast all week, but we're doing it on Spooky TV so we can kind of really get into things and we can kind of not worry as much if we're offending some members of the audience because people are going to have to, like, you know, want to listen to us. It. But it's going to kind of be talking about all the things we talk about on Spooky South Coast but a little bit more uncensored.
2: And you got to be there to experience it. So stay tuned. And you uh, have
5: to be there to experience it, yes. Stay
2: tuned to the website. We'll have more information. All right, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Oh, Thank you very much for having me, gentlemen. Take care. Bye, Chris. Bye. Bye. Have a good night. Yep.
2: And our thanks to Doug Engler of LiveParanormal.com for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week with more. So until then, for Matt Moniz for Doug Angler for Chris Balzano, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular.
3: Rest assured, listener,
1: that my time here has not been easy and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least... Until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow,
0: tomorrow. Look, I know the
1: supernatural
0: is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen.